All right, we're in the bonus show. We're recording this right after the program, but uh, this will be the first week that we've delayed it. So this is like a little standalone podcast now. We're going to try out this format. Uh, let us know what you think. If you like uh, more show but appreciate that it's broken up into little chunks, let us know. If you hate it, you want it back to the way it was, also let us know. <laughs> um, speaking of let us know, Stefan, um, I, I asked you to quickly just let people know where you were because it was cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, A, first of all, I think breaking it up would allow people to much more easily get to Deirdre's part of the show if she was still uh, if, if, if she that's was right, uh, yeah. not in BC, so. Uh, but anyways, um, that's like a, that's a deep cut joke. That's like a joke from like six months ago. If we, you listened to the bonus show six months ago, I think we decided we were going to stop making extremely referential humor. Well, stuff. man, I failed already. <laughs> um, but no, I was I was I spent a week hiking through the uh, what I what I always kept saying was a desert of Jordan. Uh, but then I'm now actually not certain if it was a desert or not because uh, it didn't look like what I see, think deserts look like. But I also know deserts can come in multiple different ways. Uh, so it was more of a sort of mountainy kind. Kind of dry space. Uh, so there's mountains, there were deserts. Uh, it was from uh, Donna to Petra, which was it's about a hundred k, and it was a five day hike. Uh, that ends up, ends up in Petra, which is like this amazing, um, like it's one of the seven wonders of the world. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, and and then I spent a week in London, England, which was the exact opposite of uh, of the middle of nowhere, uh, which was also incredibly fun, yeah, but so expensive. <laughs> London, England is very expensive. Stefan, you've been working hard, though. So oh, yeah, very hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we have, uh, as you were, uh, in case you're hearing this separated and maybe you missed the main show, we'll reintroduce Carson Fong. Thank you very much for joining us. Hello. And, uh, oh, is it just me or now your mic seems off? No, his low. mic does definitely seemed off, yeah. Uh-uh. What are you again? Green? Green. I'm green. All right. Let me try again. Hello. This is Carson. Okay, we're a little bit better there. Yeah, just try maybe just try and lean in as much as you can. Sure thing. Uh, that's go. pretty good. Ah. That's pretty good. All right. So sorry again, Carson Fong. You're Hello. joining us. Uh, <laughs> do you want to say something about yourself? We didn't really have time on the show. Sure. This is my first time uh, on air with you guys, but um, I, uh, I I was on a show back in at the U of A, uh, and so I'm happy to be part of the campus community radio community again. Awesome. And uh, we also have uh, Kai sitting in. We'll see. As usual, she will jump in or not jump in as she feels. Uh, Megan is also sitting here, but we'll likely just observe. I think we'll see how that goes. But if you really feel like it, uh, go ahead and jump in on uh, Kai's mic there. Uh, So, Carson, what I'd said, uh, because this was your uh, initial uh, appearance, uh, was that we would just, I know you had more material prepared and you sort of, we sort of ended off there by asking a quick question. Do you want to re-ask it? Um, And then maybe we can just more generally discuss. Uh, Sure. So, we we ended off talking about why rampant corporate corruption happens around the world every year, <laughs> and uh, we were getting into what what consumers can do and what communities can do to apply more pressure towards companies that might not necessarily have a consumer facing uh, a front, but are more uh, sort of upstream in oil and gas, for example. Hmm. That's a that's a pretty that's an excellent summary of where we were at. Yeah. So, and I think our answer was things are corrupt. Uh, well, you know, yeah. Well, no, to that question, I, I feel like the yeah. I, I feel that, that question, I think I just said we're messed. We're, we're, uh, well, yeah, I can swear now. We're fucked. I think that's what I said. Um, but then uh, after the after the after the show ended, I was I was briefly chatting um, with Carson, and uh, where I come to at least in this is that the only answer is to just, just like change how we're doing anything everything. You know, just like uh, the only react, the only fight where I can honestly see to to take to the oil oil and gas industry uh, is is literally just to stop using them. You know, 
like is to create companies that are that are you know providing sustainable transportation. Uh, it is to stop buying into the system that 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 requires massive transportation to everywhere. Um, you know, it's to it's to double down on 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 the sharing economy, the actual sharing economy, not the sharing economy that requires you to have an Uber everywhere. Uh, the sharing economy that actually lets you share things. You know, the actual word for share. Um, <laughs> uh, and 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 then and then to and to expand that to like. I feel like oil, the oil industry is so is so embedded in the world we live in that the only answer I think that I have is to live in a different world, you know, bike to work, uh, so you don't aren't buying gas. Like you can't. It's very difficult to buy gas and know which gas company you're not buying. You, you can't buy from the right gas company. Uh, you can just not <laughs> buy gas. Like that's that's the only real answer. Um, and, and, and so like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a depressing solution. Cause like, you know, especially de- uh, since we had sustainable Joe on being like, we can do anything as long as we buy the right stuff. Um, and, and like to some extent it's like, yes, we need to have market transformation and yes, we need to buy the right things, but we also need people to just like stop buying things. Yeah. So uh, a quick note, because um, as, as I don't know if anyone could tell, I'm, I was told no one could tell, but I feel really guilty because I, I was in immense pain all show today I was, and a little bit better now, but I was I was having trouble focusing as well, um, uh, having trouble collecting my thoughts during the interview. But I'd like to point out now, by the way, as a quick aside, uh, hell of a radio voice on that guy. Huh? Oh, seriously. Yeah, I no. just, you know, <laughs> no, yeah. no, that was that was killer radio voice. Yeah, yeah, we have to have him back in just just to, to speak, just to read things. <laughs> yeah, we love it. Uh, so that's that's the frivolous point. The real point, I think here, like, so here's my sort of. I'm going to flip the script a little bit here and, and ask what some people might find a controversial question um, or a controversial statement that leads to a question. Um, but it was something that when I so I, I went through U of T through the uh, mature students program uh, because for a variety of health reasons, I actually I, I finished high school, but I didn't get my OSD, which is a thing uh, that people so i got my high school credit but i didn't get like grade 13 which a lot of many people probably have no idea with but it's essentially it was a later eliminated but it was a, like an additional grade you did to get into university it was sort of like pre-university in high school and and i didn't so i had to go through the mature students program and when i did that program the teacher and basically if you you take a single university class and if you get a good enough grade then they let you in regardless of your grades in high school basically uh, and that's how i got access to u of t is through that program and one of the first things the teacher in that class i think it was an english class said was that the world never changes uh, or people never change it's just that the old people die out mm-hmm. and it's essentially the idea that you know you can push people on this or that issue but it's usually because uh, it affects them personally, right? So, for an example, uh, there's a bunch of like super hateful anti-gay shitheads uh, in the Republican Party, uh, but every once in a while, one of them will turn out to have a gay son or a gay nephew, and then all of a sudden, their stance softens. Not all the time; some of them they remain being shitty human beings, uh, but many times they'll change, right? And so, there's this very common thing where people will be sort of against something or be very willfully ignorant about something until it affects them personally, and. And, you know, with an, with an older crowd, this happens, right? And so there's absolutely a bunch of people from, an, from the older generation who are massive, huge climate activists. Um, so not throwing an entire age of people under the bus, but largely it's the older people. It's a large, especially the older people who are white males who are in position of power, who are the people who are dragging the system down. Because, I mean, you know, we've been talking about solutions on this program for 10 years. And that's not because, like, well, you know, if more people listen to us. No, we were talking about it because we read other people talking about it, right? So this conversation of these solutions, these ideas, have been around for so 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 long so to some degree is this just a matter of like triaging the damage until the people who are young enough to accept this world as part of the worldview naturally as opposed to one that a few of them picked up through luck or through personal experience 
to actually have this real change? I flip that question back to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, off air, Stefan was bringing up another point about how uh, companies like Tesla is kind of what it takes to disrupt the the economy and to sort of change consumer behavior. And I, I've been thinking about that point since, and it makes sense because if we, sorry to sidestep away from your point, Darren, but if we can, if we need, if we work within the system and we disrupt it uh, as a company, then um, s- someone like Tesla can can provide better options for consumers without completely changing the whole game. Um, and so, so I think the focus should be then how do we how do we encourage more Teslas to to spring up? How do we promote this sort of disruptive entrepreneurship or this sort of innovative thinking? Because I don't I wouldn't necessarily say that at the end consumers care where their energy comes from or sort of what their energy is. They just want the energy. Uh, it just happens to be oil and gas now because it's baked into the systems we have. It's baked into our daily lives, but if an energy company was to spring up and provide uh, maybe a better a better service for consumers, regardless of where the energy is coming from, uh, th- that might be the route to go. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think there's a level of – like I, I, the question to me on Ennis ends up being much more about the – the, you only act with the amount of information you have, uh, and most people stop learning after they finish school. Uh, you know, it, it's not it's not super common for people to do a lot of investigative research about the history of the world. You know, after after they leave whatever school they've finished. Uh, you know, and, and so a lot of people's understanding of the world is still based off of whatever they learned in high school, um, and and so or what or, or whatever they learned in university. But even university sort of ends up you know, streamlining your thought process. So like, I learned nothing about history in university because I didn't take a history course. Um, and so and so to some extent, my history knowledge ends with whatever I was taught in in high school. Um, and, and that's not to say that people don't choose to learn things, but people end up choosing what interests them. And, and so people have this massive, massive gaps of knowledge, uh, because we don't keep learning, uh, more often than not. Uh, and so I think it's not surprising that a vast percentage of people who grew up in the, who went to high school in say the sixties or seventies, when the concept that humans could influence the earth was, was, was either ludicrous or just on the cutting edge of thought. Um, you know, the idea that for, for all of the world, for all of human history, the world, the, the sort of narrative had been either, you know, man versus man, uh, man or, or man versus nature or man versus himself. But like, like that, there's a, those were th- the theoretical three ways people understood any story ever. Um, and man versus nature was always, the nature was always the, was always the one that was the, the greater th- threat. Right. It was. It was almost. I mean, it was almost the sort of perver- like a godlike figure. Not not in the sense that it was cognizant, but in the sense that it was. Yeah, it was this insurmountable. Like, well, how could we ever? You know, this is something we're so insignificant when compared yeah, to. Right? Exactly. Like yeah. It was. It was unfathomable. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so that was most of human history. Uh, it was the idea that we as humans had could not could not hurt nature. Uh, and in fact, it was it, our our job was to hurt nature so we could survive. In reality, um, and in the la- that that narrative has changed in the last fifty years, sixty years, maybe. 
Um, if, if you know, when was the earliest? Maybe the earliest conservationists, if you want to go back to all the way back. But, they, but even they were really more just about sort of saving stuff so they could shoot it later. So like, <laughs> you know, there's like really the actual fear for the Earth has not really existed. Since. If you don't shoot it today, there'll be two to shoot tomorrow. <laughs> um, like basically, yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 so the and so the the. It, we have to. I think. I think that crisis here that I keep coming back to is time scale. You know, that it's the time scale for which we have to learn. Our entire human history has to learn an entire new way of thinking about the Earth is is very short in relation to the. To the you know, if in four generations we we now have three generations of people understanding how, we, how much impact we have on the Earth, then you have a whole different conversation. But we're on generation two, maybe. Like maybe our parents th- thought that humans could massively impact the world. Maybe their parents definitely didn't. Um, and like, like, and and you talk to these people, and that's and that's that's the, and that's the reality. And so I think what we're looking at is is how do you how do you speed up this education system? How do you, how do you how do you start talking to all these other people and having them realize we live in a different world than than the world they've always lived, grown up in, the world that all of their books were written about, the world that everything was written about. You know, there's like there, there's not even a piece of that. And and, and so. Like to some extent, I understand. I think there's a case made that yes, if we had two, three hundred more years, it could we could we could survive off just waiting for people to slowly die off, and then the new people would have new ideas. Um, but like, uh, there's a picture. Uh, I was I was chatting with a friend of mine yesterday. Uh, and this is gonna be a very weird side note. Um, then I'll stop talking. I promise. In which he was holding a holding his nephew. His nephew's like two, uh, and we were and we were trying to figure out what he should caption this po- this post on Instagram because it seemed like a funny idea. And he was thinking of all these jokes. Um, and and the only one – and the first one I thought of was uh, – because the baby's sort of like wailing. Like it it kind of looks like – apparently he's laughing, but it kind of looks like he's crying. Um, and the only one I could think of was like and, – and then I told him he'll be 20 when we, when we when we get runaway climate change. Like it's not like this isn't like a long time. This is like there are kids born today who, when you look at the IPC timescales, it's about twenty forty when we know we're fucked or not. Which means that there's babies born today that are basically going to be twenty. They're going to be just graduating high school or university, sorry, or in university or doing whatever. They're twenty years old, and we're going to be like, yeah. So we are basically in a we don't understand climate anymore. So you think teenagers today are disgruntled and and disrespectful of authority? Wait till that twenty year old. <laughs> Wait till that person who's born now is eighteen or seventeen or sixteen, and you want to see some, uh, you know, youthful uh, rejection of authority? Well, they're going to happen to be correct that yes, their parents did screw the planet. Yeah, up. you're going to spend. Yeah, you're, you're going to spend every, every kid from fourteen to eighteen is going to learn about climate science and be like, wait, what? So here's a, here's where I want to throw it to Kai and uh, you know say as much or as little as you want, but I, I want to get your perspective on this one thing, which is that this this idea and this is something I've spoken about before, and it's something I've been very I've listened to a lot of much smarter people than me speak about it. What where to one degree, depending on what metric you're using, of course, there's different answers to this question. But from a point of view, the the invention of the internet and the mass prolifer, pro, proliferation of the internet has been one of the most momentous uh, things in human history, and not because now we can all share cat videos, but because of the the way in which information passes uh, between individuals. Uh, The idea of the sort of uh, tribal community storytelling has been, I think, drastically altered. I I wouldn't say eliminated, but it's morphed in in a categorical way such that it allows people to sort of be more okay with not knowing things because they know they can check, right? The ability to Google things, as the parlance goes, um, has made people, I would argue, more okay with 
admitting they don't know stuff because they know they can get access to the information later. And so I think what we're what we have here is really the first generation to follow up my own sort of question that I posed, the first generation of now the new norm where people are going to grow up in a world where they're accustomed to the to the factors of the way that the world works and that our level of information and that the organization of society and that global powers and that, you know, that massive shifts are themselves are the norm and that this is the type of society we need. These are the type of citizens in a society we need that has any hope of dealing with these problems. Um, my question to you, Kai, is not to create a thesis based on that or necessarily agree or disagree, but simply comment on, um, you know, as someone who, like, I grew up, basically the internet came out, like, as I was just old enough to use it, right? So I've sort of a- adopted the internet into my life in a way that I think a lot of people slightly older than me didn't. But at the same point, like, I'm aware of what it was like to not have it. Um, so for younger generation who's growing up and where this is the norm, I'm like, I'm like, how much of a disconnect is between them and their parents, right? Just because of this access to information and the norm of using it and, and not just sort of going by your own, well, this is what it was always like. And I'm going to insist that's the way it's always going to be. I, I'm not really sure. Like there wasn't a specific question in there. It was just more a comment on the, a comment on that. Like, am I am I overblowing the impact of the internet, or or are we actually raising a fundamentally different generation right now in a way that that may actually be able to adapt to these problems in a way that what we were just discussing older people may not be. I mean, I absolutely think that the internet has been a huge impact on new generations, including my generation. Like, there's definitely a disconnect between older generations and younger generations. You know, when people look at younger people and are like oh you know the world is going to end because you're on your smartphone and you're not talking to people so there obviously there's like a social change but there's definitely a different view on information as well and there's a different view on knowing like you said knowing that you don't know things but having the ability to research a lot more easily i think has made people more more willing to admit like you said they don't know things I'm not really sure where I'm going with this, but I definitely agree that there's a large difference between generations. And I think that this could have a huge impact on affecting how we work together between generations. As we were talking about earlier, whether you have to wait for older people to be out of the picture before you can make a change or if there's a way to you know, bridge these gaps, possibly caused by something like the Internet. But um, is there a way to connect with people, even if there seems to be a hu- like a fundamental difference between us? And I think that there is a way to do this, but I think it also is extremely difficult for people to understand someone who, you know, understand people who grew up in an entirely different environment. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, coming, we mentioned, you know, quickly during the main show, you know, the issue of like LGBT, and of course, something in the news this week was Chechnya, you know, reopening, you know, death camps literally for gay people, and it made me. I've just been thinking about a lot about that issue this week, and one of those things was like, you know, is that when you're only access to information and community, and you know what was right, and sort of learning the things about society was your, you know, was your village, you know, if your village was against, you know, gay people, and you didn't, and because of that, you. 
you know, you knew you were gay, but you, you it, maybe there was other gay people, but you would never find out about it because nobody would ever admit it. And now, you know, you can go on the internet and maybe, you know, one person's a, a Muslim over, you know, in one country and a Christian somewhere else and an atheist somewhere else. And maybe they'll disagree on 500,000 things, but it turns out they're all gay. And now they can sort of self-form communities in a way that's never been possible in human history. And these are one of these things that sort of gives me like a little bit hope that like, man, if we can just make it over this crest of this wave, um, the future is going to be pretty sweet. Carson, do you want to chime in on that uh, theme? Do you, am I, am I being pie eyed here? No, I agree. And I'm, I'm curious to see, um, how much better or worse we're going to get at verifying information. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it, in the past, it, well, it's hard to say. It, through storytelling, it, it's hard to it's hard to fact check. It's hard to verify. With the internet and and how information gets passed, there's even more noise. But um, I, I would say, at least for myself, I'm better than my parents are at checking to see if something's real or not. Uh, I'm talking about spam email that turns out to be viruses. I'm talking about uh, headlines I read that don't quite seem right. And uh, it's interesting to see how that's going to affect the way information gets passed and information sort of becomes uh, verified and set in stone. Yeah, it was a really interesting, uh, because we're on the bonus show, I can say the real name and not just the acronym. If you're on Facebook, you can uh, look for a great page, uh, IFL Science, which is I fucking love science. Uh, and they have they share all sorts of uh, great articles. And one of them, that, it was about six months ago, I, I almost fell for it. And, and I will admit to being guilty of like sharing things I didn't actually read. I think we all probably do it occasionally. Um, you know, but just sort of like full honesty, I've, I've been known to do it on occasion and I shouldn't. And, uh, and I, off, and I, once in a while I get bitten, but it happens. Right. But this one time I didn't. And, the and it was the headline was, uh, alien life confirmed or something like that. And the entire article starting from the first sentence was, was just a bunch of stats about how people share things without reading them. And I, I loved it. It was so good. Uh, but I mean, the, the article had 10 million shares or some ungastly number. There's no way to know how many of those people shared it because they wanted to see if their friends fell for it or not. Uh, but it was just one of those really great examples. Uh, of of yeah and just sort of like people's ability to recognize bullshit when they smell it and and like hey if this sounds like it's it's extraordinary uh extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence and an article saying something is true is not evidence because there's a flat earth society still so <laughs> yeah i think i mean i think it's, it's sort of it's like i like to think of things from like a social uh, like applying evolutionary concepts to a variety of different situations. We can look at sort of the evolution of science and technology, the evolution of religious, uh, you know, myth, uh, mythology and those sorts of things. Um, but in this sense, like sort of like we're, you know, and some of the language is really applicable. And so this is one of those cases where I like to say it's like, there's like a selection pressure on truth right now, which is that there's so much noise. It's creating so much selection pressure for the truth to come out. It's now pushing these, this rapid change um, in how information is managed to to sort of deal with that problem right because no matter what your viewpoint is everyone even if we all disagree on what the fake news is everyone agrees that there's a lot of fake information out there and now there's this massive selection pressure if you will on you know how do we you know we want this flood of information this this horizontal information information exchange is extremely valuable uh but how do we actually capitalize on it without drowning in it i don't know i think i think that's the challenge of our age outside of climate change (laughs) yeah for sure the uh funny anecdote I, a few years back i was in a hotel room and i didn't have access to wi-fi i was just watching tv and i watched about an hour of a mermaid merman species documentary on the history channel and uh, i i i fell for it 
Well, it's a history channel. Uh, that's a great way. Oh, I love that, Carson. Okay, that's how we're going to finish the show. Everyone's <laughs> got to fess up to buying into something. Uh, it's got to have happened once. Stefan, can you think of anything? Oh, man. Um, Stefan's bullshit meter is pretty good. But I, the- I, uh, to be fair, the... I, I really wanted the house hippo to be a thing. <laughs> I, I, and I may, as a kid, I may have actively actually thought the house hippo was a thing. Um, do you do do you remember the house? Hippo? You, you, no, oh, okay, no, okay. No, so it must be only an Ontario thing, um, or also probably it's only an age and Ontario thing. But there was a ad um, on that was basically it was an ad that was basically meant to be like pay attention to ads. They're not they're always someone lying to you. But the entire ad was basically this like nature documentary style story about the house hippo which was just a hippo that was the size of like a like a mouse uh and it had very convincing video evidence of this house hippo wandering through the house uh and you know and then they had like what he ate and everything like it was just a it was just like this it was like a minute long and it was just talking about the 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 habits of the house hippo uh (laughs) and at the very end it's like you know don't trust everything you see but like, man, <laughs> for ninety seconds, Stefan was I, so excited. Yeah, come on, <laughs> like, how can you not want the house hippo? Like, like, it, it, I'm gen- GMOs are a controversial topic. I understand, but if they can make me a house hippo, I might forgive them. All right, Akar, are you ready? Because I haven't actually gone yet. If you need another minute. I mean, I don't know that it counts as media, but I definitely believe the tooth fairy was a thing for a very long time because I was like, why would my parents lie to me about something like this? You know, I trust them. They trust me. Like, we have a relationship. And I just felt, I felt so, I was so sad when they were like, no, 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 you need to stop now. Like, we've been lying to you. It's so cold. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, mine's really bad. Uh, I have a really bad one here, but we're just, this is the bonus show is all about real talk. And, uh, so mine, mine's really bad, and it actually explains uh, uh, after the fact why I get so irritated about certain things is because I got burned. Mm. So this was about a decade ago. This, was, this would have been before I actually was even on the program, right? So uh, I'm going to be turning 35 this August, so I would have been about 24, 23 at the time. And this was right around um, uh, after, of course, 9-11. Uh, there was a very popular film making the rounds on YouTube, and I bought it for about six to eight months, hook, line, and sinker. You may have heard of it, Loose Change. Oh, I was going to ask you. Right? News Loose Change. And I was all about that, and it blew my mind, and I was like, wow. And I went and talking about everybody. And then one day, somebody sat me down and explained who Alex Jones is to me. <laughs> and ever since then, if you've ever heard me, like the absolute venom and fire that comes into my voice whenever I speak about Alex Jones, it's partially because he's a complete piece of shit. And a huckster, hmm. uh, but it's also because I got burned, and I'm just still sore about it. So, and I mean that's really embarrassing. It's it's really it's a really bad example, but it just goes to show. I mean, like I've always been a very critical person. I've always been very interested in science, but you know, I also was searching for answers, and I think that's part of the part of the problem with these sorts of things and buying things is that if you kind of want something to be true you're so much more disposed to buy it, right? Like my critical thinking was entirely turned off because I wanted an explanation for what the hell happened. It didn't seem to make sense. This person provided a, you know, a later on very loose, but what seemed to be an extremely strong case for an answer. And I wanted an answer. And so I accepted and bought that answer. And it wasn't until somebody, you know, verbally slapped me in the face and to snap me out of it, you know, and I've been so on fire about conspiracy theories ever since then because I was so offended that I bought into it, but I totally did. And I think there's a lesson to be learned there is that the number one first thing you should ever do, first of all, is that does this seem, is this an extraordinary claim? Even if it's something, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, whether you agree with it, whether it makes sense to you, is it an extraordinary claim? Step two, do I want this to be true? 
is there a reason why I might be eager to accept this claim? And if there is, that's the first time you stop and go, okay, I better do double duty to make sure uh, because you're a, you might be about to embarrass yourself terribly on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's maybe a good place to stop unless anyone else has anything you want to jump in. If you have a hilarious story about something you bought into or if you still believe in the Tooth Fairy 9-11 loose change videos, house hippos or anything else uh, and want to argue with us, email us and I will promptly add you to my blacklist. I would really, I would, <laughs> I would very much though like if you do have a house hippo. <laughs> tweet. I will, oh no, tweet pictures of a house hippo at Stefan, which is sell at out Stay for a house hippo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, I will sell out for uh, Alex Jones to be tarred and feathered um, <laughs> in the public square. Not literally because that's really cruel, but you know what I mean. All right, that's it for the bonus show. Uh, again, please uh, please take an opportunity if you enjoyed uh, our the, the fact that we separated the bonus show for you this week. Please let us know. If you didn't like it, please let us know. We're just testing out some format stuff right now. Uh, Other than that, thank you so much for listening and uh, take care. Have a good green week, folks.